Sorry, I put that too low. I don't know what I was doing. Um, I was reminded of my dad. When it used, he, he would always make us change that when we would sing it. And it was maybe morning, maybe noon, maybe evening, and will be soon. And so, uh, so Andrew didn't know that. He wasn't here when my dad was. So, uh, yeah, see, see, and, uh, but boy, I also was, uh, uh, grab your, turn over to Revelation chapter 22, Revelation chapter 22, I also was uh, looking at that last line of that, or that first line of the last verse, standing before the past, trial and trouble all past. You realize if he doesn't sound a trumpet and you get to go home before that, either way, whether it's a trumpet or whether you, you and I pass on, we step in front of him, trials and troubles are all past. And so that's a wonderful promise. And uh, I think Brother, Brother John and I were talking, and uh, we were talking about Revelation chapter 22. And I had told him, I said, well, I've got a series out of there. And uh, so it'll at least be two or three parts. I don't know. It depends on how far I get tonight. I learned that from my predecessor. But uh, preach as, long, as many parts as you want to when you're the, when you're the pastor. So that's nice. Uh, Revelation chapter 22. And of course, you've got the last book of the Bible. You've got the last chapter of the Bible. Uh, you've got the last set of verses here in the scriptures. So there's a lot of last things that show up. And I've preached this series, I don't know how many years ago now. It's quite a few. And, uh, and so I thought it might be nice to, nice to look back at it and be reminded of some things that God kind of sets up at the very end of the book. Uh, and ultimately, at the very end of the entirety of the scriptures, uh, he gives you some things that he gives you a last glimpse at and tries to even remind us of some things. And so here we are in Revelation 22, and verse number 13 is where I'll pick it up. And although, uh, let's read verse 12 just because. And behold, I come quickly. <laughs> we were just singing about it. I thought maybe we ought to read that one too. And my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the, and, uh, and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him come. Or let him take the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away... From the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. 
Amen. And so we have uh, the last, the very ending here of the book of, of ultimately the entirety of the scriptures given to us. Uh, the Apostle John is writing, he's exiled on the Isle of Patmos. You get that at the beginning of the book and he's kind of closing things up. And the last thing he has is uh, as he's looking out the revelation that he's been given, you get that right? He gets, the, he gets to see uh, Jesus Christ on the Lord's day there in chapter 1 and chapter Two in chapter three, you get the messages to the churches. Chapter four, he gets called up into heaven, right? Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. From chapter four all the way out to here, the timeline, and you're getting the overview of what is to come in the future. And he gets all the way to the end, and we've gotten all the way to the end of the book, and ultimately we've gotten to the end of time. This is it. Uh, this is where we've stepped into eternity. And God's going to give you some things that he has John right here as just a final little last things he wants us to get. Last things he wants us to get a glimpse of. And so let's have a word of prayer back there in verse 14 and, and go ahead and, and uh, look at some things throughout the rest of the chapter. Father, I thank you for the night and thank you for those who have come. I pray that it would be a great help and a great blessing tonight as we look at the scriptures. I pray you would open our eyes to some things or maybe remind us of some things. And Father, maybe most of the folks in here know exactly what I'll be talking about tonight and they kind of have a glimpse of what you're trying to show them. But Father, I pray that you would just continue to lighten our eyes and help us to see some things and be reminded of some things that we, Lord, need to remember. Lord, you brought them to mind here at the end of the book just to remind us one last time of some things. And so, Father, I pray you would bless the night tonight. I pray that if anyone here doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior, I pray they wouldn't leave that way. They'd realize that Jesus Christ is the only means of salvation, and they'd call upon him. Father, we love you tonight, and we pray you would come back soon. Lord, we've been singing about it. We've been reading about it. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. It'd be great tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So uh, you get back and of course this is God Almighty talking. This is him in verse number 13. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. So here you have the last partition in the Bible. This is the last time God divides a group of people right here. He parts them up. He separates them. You know what he says? He says there's one group. They have right to the tree of life and to enter into that holy city. They have right to that. They can do that. And then there's another part that are without. They're on the outside of the city. They don't get to come in. And they don't get right to that. In fact, they get to enter into a lake of fire ultimately is the choice that they have made. And you find that out through all the, all the other things. But uh, this, this divide happens because you've got these people that are allowed in the city and the people who are not allowed. Well, you find out real quick who's allowed and who's not allowed. Uh, outside the city, notice that list in verse number 15. For without are dogs. <laughs> that doesn't sound very right. I mean, kind of kind of language is that? Well, that's lost men. God refers to them as dogs. That's what, that's what he likens them to. Over and over in the scriptures you find that. In fact, uh, that, that Shunammite woman, you know what she figured out? She figured out that woman of Canaan, you know what she figured out? I'm just a dog looking for some crumbs. Right? She got Jesus Christ to bend to what she was hoping to get. 
He got Jesus Christ to move the needle over and he's going, I'm not coming for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. The rest of you people are just a bunch of dogs. I'm not here for you. And her answer is, yeah, but the dogs get the crumbs that fall. And if I could just get a crumb from the God of the universe, that's a pretty big crumb off of his table. And she got a giant one. Her, his answer to her is, whatever you want, you can have it. That's a pretty big crumb from the God of the universe. That's pretty amazing. You know, you know why she realized? She realized she wasn't supposed to get included in that group. You realize there's a bunch of us that shouldn't be included in that other group, but God did something amazing. Look back at the end of chapter 21. Chapter 21, you get the greatness of the New Jerusalem, the city he's talking about. You've got those that are in the city and those that have right to be in there. And then you have the others who aren't allowed in there. And you get to verse number 27, the very last one. He's done talking about the city that lieth four square, right? And the length is the largest of the breadth and all the things. And the walls of jasper and the streets of gold and the greatness of that city. And he says in verse number 27, And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth. Well, I'm defiled. Without Jesus Christ, I'm defiled. I'm dirty. Defiled means that you're dirty. You're tainted. You're stained. You're, you're, you're not clean. Well, that's everybody. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all defiled. Neither whatsoever worketh abomination. Okay, well, I'm not that bad. I wouldn't put myself in that abomination category. Okay, or maketh a lie, just one. Well, now I'm in that category. <laughs> you might have skated by on that one with the uh, abomination category. You're like, well, you know, I'm not as terrible as all these other folks. But you didn't get out of that one. <laughs> all men are liars. We've all told one. And as soon as you've told one, you know what? You are not worthy to enter into the city. And that's why he ends the list there in Revelation 22 and verse 15. For without her dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers. And you're like, man, I'm not that. I'm not that bad. And idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. You know who's not allowed into heaven? Liars. You know what that means? You and I are not allowed. Except for that last little phrase. Revelation 21, verse 27. That whole verse looks awful. <laughs> Until you hit that last one. That last little section of a verse. That last little phrase he slides in. But they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. So what's the divider between, what's that partition between those that are allowed into the city and those who are not allowed into the city? Only one thing. The Lamb's book of life. And there is only one way to get in the Lamb's book of life, and that is if you have the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, that has paid your redemption. God's reminder here is, guess what? There's going to be a division that happens. And if you've got Jesus Christ as your Savior, and the Lamb of God has washed away all of your sins, you have right to go into that city, and everybody else does not. And that means that everything that has defiled and everything that has made somebody be tainted and dirty, even down to the simplest of one little white lie, is enough to keep them from there. But the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. And it is the only way you and I can step into a sinless, perfect, clean, glorious, bright 
city. And that partition, you know what God's been doing for all this time? He just keeps dividing people. Well, can't we all just get along? Nope. <laughs> to be honest, no. We can't. Say, but I want to get along with everybody. Isn't that kind of the, I want everybody to like me. <laughs> okay, but if you choose Jesus Christ, you automatically have people who don't like you. Because they don't like him. They don't like what he represents. You realize that the gospel to a lost world is the condemnation that they have done things wrong and they don't want to hear it? Light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. They go ahead and gravitate toward that darkness because they don't want to deal with the light because if they step into the light, then their deeds are approved, John chapter 3, and so then they have to do something about it or they have to stick their head in the sand and act like it didn't exist. And you can go ahead and try and do that all you want to, but eventually you know where you'll be. You'll be standing before the God of the universe who shall judge you by every idle word that men shall speak. They shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. And they'll find out that when they stand in front of God, they're either going to be on the side where they chose Jesus Christ as their Savior, they called upon Him, they got the blood of the Lamb, and they got written down in that Lamb's book of life, or they're on the other side. And they're not allowed in the city. And if they're not allowed there, then there's only one place for them. Revelation chapter 21. Look back earlier, verse number 8. But the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters. Doesn't that look like that list you just read in 2022? And all liars. There they are again. I'm not as bad as those others. Yeah, but you're a liar shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. That's a sad reality. But the divide is an eternal divide. That partition that he puts in, that, that division that he makes, he makes it so that the saved are saved forever and the lost are lost forever. One side gets a beautiful city with streets of gold, walls of jasper. Every precious stone is for the foundations of it. They get the light of the Lamb of God as the light thereof. They go ahead and get to be there where there's no more sorrow and the tears are wiped away. There's neither sickness, there's no pain, there's no crying, there's none of that. The former things are all passed away. They get all the blessings and all the greatness and they step in because God saved them for all of eternity because they chose to trust in the blood of a Lamb. But the other side, the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever. And it's not a place that anybody wants to go. It's not a place that anybody should go. All the time we're witnessing to people and we're, we're going ahead and talking about it and we're street preaching and you hear it. If, you're, if you go street preaching, you hear it all the time. Oh, I'm going to party with my friends. There's no parties in hell. Lake of fire is not, just that descriptor right there, just lake of fire. You already know, there's no party there. It's a place of torment and punishment. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to party and I'm going to hang out and it's going to be, you're not going to be doing any of that. You know, it doesn't sound like a party, weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. That's the divide he's trying to describe now. That last part, that last divide, he's going, hey, guess what? There's only going to be two sides on this deal. You've either got the Lamb of God and your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. and You've got eternal life because you trusted in the Son of God who gave his life for you. Or you've got it the other way. 
and you've chosen not to trust him and you're going to pay for your own sins, but the payment for your sins is an eternal lake of fire and you won't get out and there's no way to escape it. And it'll be the just condemnation and judgment of a holy God. You get back to Revelation chapter 20. And you get that great white throne in verse number 11 with him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead small and great stand before God and the books were opened and another book was opened which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. You say, what's he proving? He's proving that they're on the list. You say, which one? The list that we read in chapter 21 and verse 8. The list that we read in chapter 22 and verse 15. The list, of, I, I, the list where you're guilty. <laughs> the list of the fearful and unbelieving and whoremongers and adulterers and idolaters and all liars. So what's he doing? He's proving they don't deserve heaven. Well, no, my good works will outweigh my bad works. That's not what he said. He said you're going to be judged according to what you have done. Well, what have I done? I've told a lie. Well, then I don't deserve heaven. Well, if I've told a lie, then I'm on the wrong side of that partition right there. That divide is putting me on the wrong side. You say, what do I need to do? I need to figure out how to get on the Lamb's book of life. Well, there's only one way to do that. You need to come to the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. You need to come to the person who can save to the uttermost all of them that will trust in Him. You need to come to Jesus Christ alone. That partition is there. You know what he's trying to make sure you understand? There's only two options. <laughs> There's only two. It boils down to, I'm going to trust Jesus Christ as my Savior or anything else. <laughs> and it doesn't matter what the anything else is. It makes, it makes no difference whether it's, well, I'm going, to join a, I'm going to join a Baptist church. I'm going to read a Bible. I'm going to pray these things. I'm going to say all these things and do all these things. I'm going to go ahead and get baptized. I'm going to go ahead and do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to get... Doesn't matter. If Jesus Christ isn't the thing you're going to trust in, then anything else will do to drop you in a lake of fire for all of eternity. The partition is there. And he's letting everybody know, hey, guess what? On one side, you get life eternal in Jesus Christ. Other side, lake of fire. And it's whatever side you want to be on. But the choice is yours. The choice is yours. That last divide is there and he's letting you know it's all going to be separated into those two piles, but you're in one of those piles. <laughs> and there's only one way to be in the pile that gets inside that city. And it's with Jesus Christ alone. What a wonder. Look back at Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22. It says in verse 13, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do His commandments, that they may, enter, they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. You, found, you have the last proof of Jesus Christ right here. This is the last proof he puts on it. He said, I'm going to prove to you who I am. 
that I am the one who can save you to the uttermost, that I am the one who has right to go ahead and be king of the universe. I am the one who has it all. I'm the one. I am the root. Uh, you start paying attention to the book of John, and I, I don't have all the references down right here, over and repeatedly throughout the book of John, he purposely puts in there that little phrase, I am. That's a reference to his deity. That's, that's all the way back to Moses. Uh, who do I tell the children of Israel sent me? He said, I am that I am has sent thee. And Jesus keeps going, I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the vine. Over and over. You just keep reading through John. Don't worry. Start in chapter 1. You'll keep finding it. Over and over. You know what he's doing? He's pointing out, I am. This is what I am. And right here, you know what he says? I am the root and the offspring of David. The bright and morning star. That's who he is. I look back. Uh, we're going to get some pages in tonight. Isaiah. Book of Isaiah, chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11 and verse number 1, he says this, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Here he comes. The branch comes up. Where is he coming? Well, the roots. Here he comes. Look at him. Romans chapter, chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. The start of the prophecies of Jesus Christ there in the Old Testament start pointing you to who he is and what he's going to do and what he keeps saying about himself. In Romans chapter 15 verse number 8. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God, to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. Well, what were part of those promises? We'll look down at verse number 12. And again, Isaiah saith, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles trust. There he is, that root of Jesse. Then what's he pointing back to? Isaiah chapter 11. He's pointing back, hey, who is that? Well, that was Jesus Christ that came up. He comes up as the root that comes out of, out of Jesse. Look over at Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5. Sunday night, so I figure you can turn a lot more than we did this morning, all right? You can keep up with me, all right? Revelation chapter 5 and verse number 5. They're looking for someone to open the book, right? Loose the seals. They're looking for someone who was worthy to do it. Verse number 5, And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Here he comes. The root of David hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And there he is. You say, who is he? He's Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who shows up as a lamb that was slain, but he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Say, who is he? He's the root of David. There he is. He's, he's going, I've got, I, I'm just going to prove to you who I am. I'm the root and the offspring of David. He's the root of David. Notice, look back at Matthew chapter 22. He's the offspring of David. 
Matthew chapter 22. Matthew 22, look at verse number 41. Jesus dealing with the Pharisees, right? While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them saying, What think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? They saith unto him, The son of David. Well, it's not hard to figure out. They knew that. Now he's going to mess with them. He saith unto them, How then doth David in spirit call him Lord, saying, The Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou on my right hand, till I make thine enemies thy footstool. If David then called him Lord, how is he his son? And no man was able to answer him a word, neither durst any man from that day forth ask him any more questions. You say, I don't want to ask you anything else. Why? Because you just proved who you are. Well, David, he called him Lord. Well, why would he call his son Lord? He's not supposed to do that. Supposed to honor his, the son is to honor the father, not the father down to the son. Unless he's got some sort of prominence that David didn't have. And instead of just being the offspring of David, he's the king of the universe. And he's king of kings and lord of lords. And so he says, hey, uh, my lord said, the lord said, uh, my lord. <laughs> well, wait a minute. Isn't that his son? Yep, that's his son. But he's more than just a son of David. He's the root, the offspring of David. Look over at, uh, we're here in Matthew. Look over at Luke. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. If you were to go back to uh, 2 Samuel chapter 7, we won't just take a time. I won't go there right now. But uh, if you were to go back to 2 Samuel chapter 7, you'd get David, the Davidic covenant. The covenant God makes with David that he would have someone that would sit upon the throne of David forever. That's the promise to David. That the throne of David would be there forever. And he says in Luke chapter 1 and verse number uh, 30. Luke chapter 1 and verse 30. And the angel said unto, Mary, unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and, sh and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great. That's an understatement. And shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Say, what's God doing there in Revelation 22? He's just giving you one more proof that Jesus is everything he said he was. He is the root, the offspring of David, and notice what he calls himself, and the bright and morning star. Look back at Numbers 24. Numbers 24. I'm feeling pretty excitable tonight. I, like, I really like this, this last chapter. God kind of tying up all the, all the little loose ends and bows, making sure everything is just the way he needs it as he closes up that book. Numbers chapter 24, verse number 15, And he took up his parable and said, Balaam the son of Beor hath said, and the man whose eyes are open hath said, He hath said, which heard the words of God and knew the knowledge of the Most High which saw the vision of the Almighty 
falling into a trance, but having his eyes open, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab, and destroy all the children of Sheth. Who's he talking about? Well, he's talking about Jesus Christ. We already know that. Look over at uh, Micah, the book of Micah. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah. Micah chapter 4. Who's coming? A star is coming. A star is going to rise out of Jacob. Micah chapter 4. Verse number 2. That is not the verse that I want. That is not the verse that I want. Hang on. That's what happens when I don't get the right cross reference. I want 5 2. No. I want the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in his wings. Is that Malachi? Out of Micah. Malachi chapter 4. There it is. That's what happens when I write the wrong thing down. Uh, Malachi chapter 4. <coughs> Excuse me, Malachi chapter 4 and verse 2. I apologize. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son. Look at that. S U N. Why isn't that S-O-N? Isn't that who he is? Unless he's the star. That makes him the sun. The sun of righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. So he's just pointing to Jesus, the bright and morning star, and he rises, the morning star. And up he comes. And look over at uh, 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1. Verse number 16. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. We have, a more sure, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scriptures of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So what is he? He's the day star that arises in your hearts. What a wonder it is. Because you recognize this. Go back to Revelation chapter 22. Jesus gives you one last proof of who he is. He says, hey, I am the root 
the, and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. And once he gives that proof, notice, notice the progression he's made. He goes, all right, there's this partition, there's this divide. There's the people in the city, there's the people out of the city. I'm Jesus. Here's the proof. I'm exactly who I say I am. Verse 17, and the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. You get to verse 17, you know what you get? The last plea. The last plea as God calls to the people of the earth, as God calls to the children of men, he calls out to them one more time, come on, come, come. He's pleading with the earth. You realize there's a group of people that are making the plea? The first on the list there in verse 17 is the Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God is pleading with the people of the earth. He's come to convince the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He's supposed to lead and guide into all truth. He's supposed to reach, right? Isn't that his job? His job is to point everybody to Jesus Christ. He doesn't testify of himself. He testifies of the one who just gave you the proof of who he is. And he's going, there's this partition, there's a divide. And Jesus Christ, I'm exactly who I say I am. And everybody's going to declare it. The Spirit starts it. And the bride follows suit. Well, you say, who's the bride? The bride is everybody inside that city. He tells them in Revelation 21, hey, uh, let's go ahead and see the bride, the lamb's wife. She's made herself ready. Here she is coming down. Say, who is it? That's us. If you're saved in here tonight, you have Jesus Christ as your Savior. We're the bride. And you recognize this. The Lord says, hey, the Holy Spirit of God is calling to a world. Come. And he gave you and I the job of saying what? Come. Come. <laughs> That's our job. We're ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead. Be ye reconciled to God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is replete with it. You and I have been given the ministry of reconciliation, reconciling a lost world to the God of the universe through Jesus Christ alone and the redemption that he provides. You and I have been given the task and God says, all right, the Spirit is saying come and the bride is supposed to be crying out and we're crying come and he that heareth. <laughs> you know what's amazing? Someone hears about Jesus Christ, they don't even get saved yet. You know what they can say? I heard about this guy. <laughs> you know, blind Bartimaeus is sitting there on the side of the road. He doesn't see Jesus, but he hears the commotion. So, yeah, but did everybody know what Jesus... No, but they were making a commotion about him. <laughs> you know, sometimes bad publicity is perfectly fine because it just gets somebody's attention. How many times is it that Paul makes the statement, you know, I'm in bonds and I'm in prison and some of that, people are going ahead and they're preaching the gospel and it's, their, their goal is to ultimately cause me more distress in my bonds, right? And he says whether Christ is preached of contention or not, doesn't make a difference to me as long as Christ is preached. I'll go ahead and take whatever extra punishment I need. If Christ's getting preached, we're all set. That's fine with me. 
You recognize this, that a lost man that knows the gospel can give the gospel and somebody can still get saved because it's just the truth of the gospel. That's amazing that, you know, he doesn't even need us. You know, Nebuchadnezzar was called his servant. He's one of the most wicked men that could ever be. And he goes, that, now Nebuchadnezzar's my servant. Why? Because he just did what I asked. He did what I commanded. He's better than some of us. Say, why? A faithful servant did what he was told. Didn't even know it, but he was doing exactly what God wanted him to do. Because you know what? You start hearing about Jesus Christ. You start asking about Jesus Christ. You start finding about, you know what you find? He's pretty hard to resist. It's the goodness of God that leadeth thee to repentance. It's how amazing he is. You take an honest look at Jesus Christ. How do you refuse him? You look at what he did for you and how much he loved you. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. When you look at somebody who loved you so much, he'd give his life for you. And he'd lay it down willingly, even when he could have called ten legions of angels and gone ahead and destroyed an entire world whenever he felt like it. He could have gone ahead and just walked off the cross and just walked away and decided, I don't need to do this or put up with any of this. But instead he goes, you know what, I'll endure the contradiction of sinners against myself just so I can go ahead and understand that there's something coming that I'll pay for and I'll gladly pay for because I'll get a redemption for all of them. How do you resist him? They do. But boy, it's pretty hard when you start hearing about Jesus not to start talking about Jesus. I'll slide this in. Christian, I hope you talk a lot about Jesus. That's our job, but not only that, he's done a whole lot for us. That's pretty hard not to brag about how good he's been when you recognize how good he's been. Say, who's pleading? Well, the spirit is. The bride is. Everybody else who hears it is. Well, who are they calling to? Well, he that is a thirst. You ever find somebody who's real thirsty? Just want to drink. Just anything. I'll drink anything. Isn't that, isn't that kind of like Esau when he hated his birthright? He's so thirsty, he's like, well, I'm going to die anyway. I'm so hungry, I'm going to die anyways. Take my birth, I don't care. Just give me the pottage. That's pretty sad. But Jesus Christ is there, and you get to uh, John chapter, chapter 4, and he's sitting there at a well. And he's waiting for that woman to come out of the city. Right? The woman who nobody else really wants to deal with and she's purposely coming out in the heat of the day to get the water because she doesn't want to see anybody else. But somehow this guy, this weirdo sitting at the well, right? She comes walking up and he says, hey, how about you give me something to drink? Paraphrased. All right, I'm not quoting. <laughs> and she says, why would I get you any... What? You came all the way here, you don't have anything to draw with? Why didn't you come out with something to draw with? He says, yeah, how about you just get me some water 
and I'll tell you about some water that's better than any water you've ever had. He says, hey, the water in this well, you know what? You'll come down here and you'll get a drink and you know what you'll need? You'll need to come back and get another drink and another drink and another drink. But the water that I shall give him, I've got living water. The water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up in everlasting life. The water I've got, you'll never thirst again. <laughs> and you're looking at a lost world, and you know what? There are people in this world who are dying of thirst, looking for the truth, looking for something that's real, looking for the answers to the problems that they have, looking for that, fi that fix that they've never been able to get because their sin has bound them and they have been holding in the cords of their sins. They're carrying around a burden that is so heavy and so weighted that they can't get rid of, but they don't know what to do with it and they don't have any idea that Jesus is standing there saying, come, come. Come, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. How about you come and see me? They've never heard about it or they don't understand it or they've never really gotten to the place where they'd be willing to trust him. And Jesus Christ is going, no, come, come. And our job is the spirit and the bride are supposed to be saying, come, come, come. There's somebody who can take the burden. There's somebody who can satisfy the thirsty soul. There's somebody who can go ahead and give you the water of life so you'll never thirst again and you don't ever have to go to somebody else to go find the satisfaction that Jesus Christ can bring. And then he says, to he that is a thirst, let him come. And whosoever will, that word whosoever is pretty amazing. Whosoever. It's one of the greatness of an English Bible. Whosoever is a whole lot different than whomsoever. Now, most Americans have no idea that there's a difference between who and whom. But there's a great difference between who and whom. <laughs> You write out one of those formal letters, right? And you got to send it in. And so you write at the top, to whom it may concern. We're all taught how to do that, right? That's, that's the formal letter. You say, why? Because it doesn't concern everybody. It only concerns the person that needs to do something about what you're writing. That's the difference. If you wrote to who it may concern, that could be anybody. And everybody could read it and everybody would get it and everybody... And, that's why salvation is for everybody. John 3.16, one of the most famous verses in all of the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, whoever, whoever wants it, he that is a thirst, whosoever will. If you're willing, I'm willing to save. Whoever wants it, they can have it. We, Romans chapter 10. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever. I am glad we have a whosoever salvation. If you want salvation, you can get salvation. Whoever wants it, they can come and get it. You step over onto this and you got these two sides, right? You've got the partition that's there. You've got the divide. And God says, okay, you're too wicked. You got to go over there. No, that's not what he said. Isn't that amazing? God goes, no, you're pretty wicked, but... I'll still get you on my side if you'd be willing to trust me. Whosoever will, let him come. If you're willing, God's willing. You know what I love? I love, I love that God is so reasonable. 
He's a reasonable God. Most people, when they think of God, give Him unreasonable status. They give Him unreasonable in His thought process. They make Him a dictator. They make Him this. They make Him that. He's harsh. He's a taskmaster, right? That's the guy. Thou, uh, you know, I knew you were a hard and austere man, and you reap what you don't sow, and you take. And, okay, well, since I'm a hard and austere man, this is what I'll do. Boy, if you thought of him as merciful and gracious, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he'd repent of the evil he'd do, you might end up more like Jonah and actually survive an encounter with God when you were the one on the wrong side of it. But he knew God was merciful and gracious, slow to anger and of great kindness. Isn't that funny? Jonah's mad he's sparing the people of Nineveh, and God is sparing Jonah when he really shouldn't be. Whosoever will, let him come. You know, God open ends that because he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God's looking at that and he says, you know what? It's an everlasting divide that they're going to have. It's going to be a lake of fire on one side and it's going to be eternal life on the other. And I don't want anybody in that lake of fire. And if I can stop it, the one thing I can do is give my life a ransom for many. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. I am the one who came, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin. I am the one who laid down his life a ransom for many. And if everybody would be willing to proclaim it, whosoever will can come and take a drink of the water of life freely. Because I don't want anybody in that lake of fire. Isn't it amazing that God takes up a huge section of the last part of the last chapter to let a world know one more time, I'm willing to save. I'm willing. And if you're willing, he'd be willing. Christian, if you're willing to tell, he'd be willing to give you opportunity to tell. You say, well, I, I want them I to get saved. Can't make them. Can't make them, but you can give them a chance. How shall they hear without a preacher? They don't have a chance without you telling them. They, they, don't have, they don't have a chance of getting out of a lake of fire without Jesus Christ and being told who He is and how great of a Savior He is. And that's on us. The Spirit's working. We know He isn't slowing up. We know He's not slacking off doing His job. Well, then it's the bride's job. We need to stay in gear. Because I think the, lo the Lord is still looking. Because you and I are still breathing. He hasn't sounded a trumpet. We haven't seen him face to face. We're not done with sorrows and pains and heartaches. And we're also not done with the mission he gave us. And the spirit of the bride say, come. What a wonderful God to give one more call to a world. One more plea, one more argument, one more time that he's going, hey, you know what I'll do? I'll be willing to reach one more time. I'm about to finish penning the entirety of the scriptures to mankind. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stop one more time to let him know a Savior came. And if you want him, you can have him for free. Whew. That's a great God. Next Sunday night. 
We'll look at verse 18, 19, 20, 21. We'll finish out the chapter next Sunday night. But as we get ready to go, and we're going to sing an invitation, we're going to do it all. Maybe you just need to remember how great of a God it is that you have. And get to say, you know what? I'm so glad I'm going to be in that city for all of eternity. I'm so glad it was a whosoever and I got to get in and I found Jesus Christ as a great Savior and he, he allowed me to trust Him and I got saved and I'm in heaven forever. I already know it. Maybe you need to go, Lord, I'm sorry, I hadn't been telling anybody. I haven't been doing my part of come, come, take a drink of the water of life freely. Or maybe you're in here and you're lost and you're not part of that city right now. You don't have to stay that way. It's a whosoever salvation. And God wants to save. His arm is not short that it cannot save. Well, I'm too bad. I'm too awful. I've done too much stuff. You have no idea what I've done. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because there's not one sin on the planet God can't forgive. His grace is sufficient. He is a wonderful and a merciful and a loving God and His compassions, they fail not. And His mercies are renewed every morning. He's so good that He wants you in heaven for all of eternity. So I don't understand that. Why would He love me that much? I don't know. It, I can't explain why He loves me that much. How could I ever figure out why He loves you that much? But He does. Say, so how do you know that? Because the Bible tells me so. Sometimes it's the simplest answers that are the best. How do I know God loves me? Because the Bible said so. And tonight you can guarantee Jesus Christ is exactly who He said He was. And He is the Savior of the world. And whosoever will, let Him come. Let's go ahead and stand tonight. We're going to sing here in just a moment. Maybe tonight you're in here and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. I have no idea. You know. The Lord knows. Maybe you need Jesus Christ as your Savior. Maybe you need to come and get my attention and let us know. And we'll gladly just we'll take you in private, open up a Bible, give you the answers that you need. And if you've got any questions, we'll try and do our best to answer them out of the Bible and let you know the truth of what God said about His, His Son, Jesus Christ, dying for you. The assurance that you can have your sins forgiven forever because God promised and He doesn't lie. Christian, maybe you're in here tonight and you just need to go, boy, I wish I were a better witness. I wish I was that bride that testifies. Or maybe you just need to come and say, Lord, thank you once again. I just want to thank you again for being a wonderful Savior to me. I don't know what you need to do. Maybe you just need to do sing just praise him because he has been wonderful to you father i do thank you for the night thank you for that last plea that last call on your heart come come and i pray if someone here tonight is without jesus christ they would come and they would call upon you lord we thank you for your goodness and your mercies to us i pray you would come back soon to take us home but if not, I pray we'd be the faithful bride crying, come, 
until you come. In Jesus' name, amen.